This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and this week is half term for me. I don't know if it's half term for you, or even if you have children in school age, but uh, I live up in the north, which makes me aware that we have like half terms that are at different times than the rest of everybody. So if you have survived half term this week, well done. I affirm you and say well done for lasting. And if you were like me, heading into half term with trepidation in your eyes, I bless you with strength to wade through face paint and play dates and playing video games and all of the other things that your half term brings. Uh, I bless you with sleep and rest because I'm getting old and half terms tire me out, man. So anyways, what am I doing today? Oh, today we're talking about heart gardens. Yes, you heard me correctly, heart gardens, and uh, how we can create a language for our children to talk about their hearts so that they can facilitate a deeper relationship with God. We're talking about what to do if you're brand new to faith. Where do you actually start with talking about faith with your kids if this is something that you're very new to? And we're also hearing from my friends Joe and Elliot about living with chronic pain and how do we coach our children through life when we are struggling with our health and and spiritually how we're coping with that and how we're praying for healing and whether we're getting healed or not how do we coach our kids well through chronic pain so let's begin i wanted to talk about this particular topic with heart gardens because for me my childhood I can remember one song that was like my favorite song. I mean, everybody has their favorite song, but every night my parents would sit by my bed and we do like talking about our day and prayers. And then we would do singing uh, some sort of worship. And growing up, one of my favorite songs was a verse from the Bible called create in me a clean heart. Oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. And I can still in my memory, hear myself singing that song. Even when my parents had left, it was like the go-to song in my head. If I just wanted to worship or lay in bed and talk to God, or just cause I like the tune. And I found that it really facilitated looking back, my relationship with God, because it gave me words to tell God that I was okay with him, seeing all the dirty bits of my heart, and I didn't want to hide anything from him. That's the strength of worship songs. That's the strength sometimes of liturgy. liturgy. That's one of the many strengths of scripture is it gives us language to express something that we didn't know we even wanted to express to God, but we really, really do. And as I've started working with children, I've noticed again and again that it can be hard for them to articulate some of the emotions and feelings they're having, not for lack of having those emotions or feeling, but rather for the lack of language. And I found that if we want to facilitate children and young people to connect with God about deep stuff like sin and shame and anger and other things, some of them may need a language around that rather than just listing emotions at God. 
Now, you know your child, so you can come up with something with whatever fits them best. You may use a much better one than I'm going to suggest now. I tend to use the idea of the heart being like a garden. A garden has stuff growing in it that has been planted by the gardener, and yet all sorts of other things like weeds and pests can get in there and grow too. By having some sort of analogy, it means that we can say, God, I'm letting anger grow in my heart. Please help me dig it out. Or please plant peace in me. My heart is ready. Other people I know like talking about their hearts like buckets where God puts things in and we accidentally fill it up with other stuff or we put a lid on it and say, no, I don't want you, God. Other people picture their heart like a whiteboard and ask God to wipe it clean or describe it like a car engine that needs maintenance and fixing and cleaning and checkups. Having an analogy helps children show pictures to God, draw to God. It gives them a mutual language to discuss, and it gives you as a parent a chance to ask questions. Hey, when you punched your brother, I saw your face, and what I saw was real anger. It looked like you wanted to hurt him. Why was that? Jesus says, out of the heart, our mouths speak, and your words were speaking anger. What's going on in your heart, Garden, that made the anger the biggest thing that's growing in your heart right now? This works really well for children six-ish and up. Every child is different, and as their brains grow and develop, they can handle the kind of abstract thought it takes to talk and analogies. Before that, we can lay the groundwork by talking about our feelings inside of us coming out and starting to use whatever tools around us to talk about our hearts. If you like the bucket idea, use buckets in daily life. So you can say, just like we filled this bucket up with water, God can fill us up with joy. If you like the engine idea, grow your kid in the experience of working with an engine. The more they understand the analogy, the better they'll be able to use it to talk about their heart with you and with God. Whatever you pick, any of these or others, create windows into your life about this idea. Come home from work and say, I feel like I've been letting disappointment grow inside my heart like a weed. I was so disappointed by not getting that promotion. That kind of upsetness kind of grew around loads of my heart. I'm struggling to find joy at work or not think about it. Can you guys pray for God to come teach me how to forgive or dig up all the stuff in my heart that's choking my gratefulness and joy? Or if you like the bucket, you can say, I had such a great time at the prayer meeting. It was like God came and just emptied out my heart bucket of everything that was heavy and gave me back my heart all clean and light. It was awesome. Whatever works for you, use it as you talk and share. Don't worry about sounding like me. If I how I do it makes you cringe, which is totally okay. Uh, Do it differently. Just let your kids see how God interacts with your heart and give them language to be able to do it with God too. For today's question section, I had a really exciting question come in, which I absolutely love. If you have questions that you'd like me to answer on this podcast, please feel free to email in or contact us through the website because I'd love to answer your questions. And this question came in and said... I have no idea how to be a Christian family. We are both new to faith. Where do we start? First of all, hurrah! I'm so happy for you and your family. As you launch out onto this whole new adventure of faith, I am so excited for you and for the fruit that's going to happen in your children's lives and in your lives as a family. God is going to be so faithful to you. And it's really exciting to get to go on this journey with him alongside your kids. 
it can feel daunting to look at all the different things you could do with your children, all the things that you feel like you want to say to your kids and not really know where to start. And so I just want to, to reduce any overwhelmingness you may feel. I just wanted to say three ways to start. The first thing is to explain to your kids a few things. One, explain to your children the journey that you've been on. Often we want to jump right in with the conclusion, you know, guess what? I'm a Christian now. We're going to church. Surprise. What your kids will want to know is what has been going on with you. Don't feel like you need to do it all in one go. It's not like you're dropping on them a life shattering truth bomb. Depending on your journey, you can say, you know, those alpha nights I've been going to, they've been really interesting. We debated this thing one night, really got me thinking. Have you ever thought about that? Then you can wait a bit couple of weeks and say, did I ever tell you about that Holy Spirit day? It was crazy and cool. This is how I felt and what I thought. Whether it's an incremental moment by moment over the past years, or whether it's one big moment in an evening, your explanation of your journey and what you thought and why you changed your mind and what you encountered is the window your children will need to understand the journey that you're on and why you got to where you did. The second thing to explain to your children is explain to your kids their choices within your new life. It can be surprising when your parent changes their mind about something and kids being naturally selfish or self-centered in a sort of childlike way means they're going to want to know how it's going to impact their lives and what you expect of them. Do you all of a sudden expect them to magically turn into Christian children, or can they still decide for themselves or something in between? Kids feel safe when things are consistent, and they often poke until you respond with clarity. If you recently became a Christian, it would be a great idea to join a church. Church is a great place to explore faith, form good friendships, and access the wider community of people who love God too. But rather than just telling your kids that you're all going to church, why not tell them that you want to start going to church and list what you're hoping for in that church? Then your first Sunday, it can be a family experiment to talk about. You can share what made you feel comfortable, intrigued, challenged. What did you all like or dislike? As a family team, you can share what church you like. The third thing to talk about with your kids. Well, the third thing to do, I guess, really, is to connect in with us as Parenting for Faith. There's a free course on the website if you want to do it, but don't do it alone. The main thing is no one was meant to parent alone and search certainly not spiritually parent alone. You don't have to be wiser, more experienced Christian than you are. You don't have to know all sorts of theology or have all sorts of answers. You, just as you are, you got this. And as you find a church, you can find others who can talk about this kind of stuff with you. So you can figure out what works best for your family. And if you want some tools on how to have a conversation or how to answer questions or just how to position yourselves, there's loads on the Parenting for Faith website. There's a free course that you can start with. There's a book called Parenting Children for Life of Faith. But you on your own have the wisdom to naturally and instinctually help your kids for the next step. But don't don't ever feel alone. That's the whole point of the church is to wrap around you and encourage you and support you on this great journey. For a wild card section, I sat down with Joe and Elliot to talk about something that's very personal in their lives. We've heard a previous 
contribution from Joe and Elliot when I sat down and interviewed them about moving. They're the ones who moved around quite a lot, uh, many, many, many times uh, in the past 10 years or so. And I, in that conversation, we stumbled upon talking about Joe's chronic pain. She has an, uh, intense nerve pain in her face that uh, came from uh, an injury. And it has been something that I've so admired how she has walked that. I have learned so much from her as she has parented and and did a marriage and is a influencer in her church and her community. And I just wanted to ask them as Christian parents, how do they cope with that kind of pain and the journey of pain in a Christian family? How do they explain it and coach their children through living with that? So here's a section of the interview from my friends, Joe and Elliot about chronic pain. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk, we talk a lot about Joe's pain because There'll be days when Joe's just, everything's fine. And there'll be days when the pain is is so much that it affects, you know, regular function that day. Um, so we want to talk to our kids about mummy's pain, but we also want to talk about, we want our kids to be thinking about praying for mummy's pain. Mm. So you kind of got that tension of, uh, oh, mummy's pain is still there. And also going, let's pray for mummy because we like to pray when people are ill or when people are sick or when people are struggling. We lay hands on them when we pray. And, you know, I remember being in, in kids ministry in London and being taught by someone very wisely who said to me, you know, don't be afraid to say to kids, don't, I don't know the answer to that. Um, and actually being able to say that to our own kids, I think it's really empowering that you know, we don't have to be able to answer all those questions. And and saying to them, I don't know, but actually I find it really hard. Um, and I can say that as a, as a husband about my wife, and I can say that as a son about my own dad. Um, you know, we moved here, and uh, the kids experienced very quickly into life here, uh, the tragic death of my training incumbent, for example. And, and they, they didn't know him well, but they got to know him quite quickly, and, and that was really painful for them. Um, so that obviously led to them asking questions of, you know, naturally, why, why does this happen? And it's just being, I think it's about fostering the environment where they're not going to be afraid to ask those and they think it's actually normal to. And I think for the most part, our kids are working out a way of, of thinking that through on their own. Mm -hmm. um, and when they want to, I think that they ask us. And when they don't want to, they don't ask us. <laughs> Do you feel the pressure when kids pray to say you're better or how do you feel like you need to respond to four eager faces who are intercessing for you nonstop? You know, what, how does, how do you negotiate that just as a parent? Well, I think we've always just tried, tried to be honest. And I think that is just part of their journey of faith. And that for all of us, it is learning that sadly that you know I mean I totally believe in healing we've you know we've it's something that we have encouraged um, our children you know in our children's faith and to pray for healing and for the miraculous and you know and through their life experience so far you know we we've seen some amazing things God's done some amazing things and and some things don't seem to have changed that much at all and I think it's just about, it is just about honesty and, you know, and when the kids have prayed for me and, 
it hasn't improved, then we said, well, okay, you know, we can pray again and we continue to pray um, because that's what we believe in. And, and it's about, it's hard, isn't it? But it's about, it's about, tr- so much is about trust and that we don't, we can't possibly understand everything about God. And that's really tricky for us as adults, but really, really difficult um, for kids as well. And I think we've had lots of circumstances, particularly with the moving around, where we've had situations where we've really had to, the kids have really had to dig deep with that. I mean, one of one, one of the moves we made, um, our daughter didn't get a school place and ended up being at home while her siblings all, all went to school. And we had a season of her at home with us. And it was, it was yeah, it was very interesting. <laughs> it was challenging in lots of ways and wonderful in other ways. Um, but in that time, her faith just grew incredibly and the, you know that how she developed in her prayer life and how and how um god spoke to her very clearly through words and pictures and how we were able to look back on that time um was incredible i think you know remembering these things is really important mm. how do we do and we don't do that particularly well um as a family to sort of go back over the bits and say, remember this. And I think, you know, you see that in the Bible, don't you, where we're told to remember what God did. Um, and, uh, you know, you see it with, with the people of Israel and they come through the, the Jordan River and they're there to build a monument so that they can tell their kids, see that monument, that's when, you know, God did something spectacular. And again, Alice uh, had said recently about, we were sharing at church, you know, what, 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 what's God done in your life? When did you, when did you have a time where you saw the Lord? And she shared about when she prayed for my back a few years ago with Isaac and I had a really bad back pain. And I was due to speak at church that night and I was in agony and they laid hands on my back. And, and then uh, after they finished praying, I thought I felt Isaac's hands on my back, but he'd gone off and he wasn't there anymore. And Alice was there. And it was that sense of, you know, God's spirit, you know, God's hand, healing hand on my back and Alice has it's always stuck with her and she still kind of talks about that that now so you have these kind of miraculous moments of of God breaking and doing something spectacular but then also you've got to balance that out with thinking well it's not always about the spectacular and God breaking in spectacularly like healing my back or Minnie getting into the school place that then builds faith and leads to disciples Sometimes it's actually God not breaking in, but actually just weeping with you and being in the dirt and the dust with you that causes great faith and great faithfulness. So I think we yeah. have to be prepared for that as as parents with our own kids to think actually God won't always break in spectacularly because we live in a messy world. But when he's not breaking in spectacularly with Joe's chronic pain... Are they able to know the good shepherd, you know, what it means for Jesus to be the good shepherd and leading and guiding his sheep Mm. um, and the ultimate, you know, trusting in the faithfulness of God and the ultimate victory that we have. But we don't get to see in the everyday that sometimes we have these mini victories, but other times um, it's just messy and horrible and, and difficult. So, yeah. And that's been our story of chronic pain is that things haven't changed and things haven't they've changed in respect of as a family we have learned how to live with chronic pain but we live you know um 
with the with the hope and trust that you know the lord has it all in hand and yes you know we can we continue to pray that you know that it will uh, be healed and it will it will go away but as a family our story is learning to live as El, we describe it as this extra person in our family and and i guess that's why for us as well i think i think that having the time of devotions and the time of worship together are are also so key f- has been so key in that actually um in helping us to develop a a life with this this um not always positive aspect to it mm. and being able to cope with it as a family yeah and kids being able to see are oh, you so mummy and daddy sing even when the answer that they got wasn't what they asked for what wasn't what they hoped for so like with like with praying about chronic pain so we you still sing god is good but you didn't have a, you still sing that god is lovely but he didn't give you a lovely day um you know that's a really i think that's a real gift that we have as parents to be able to do to be able to sing in spite of because we know ultimately that god is faithful and he is good and that you know we're invited into eternity where it is lovely eternally even if wednesday didn't go particularly lovely <laughs> And the question to get an interesting conversation started with your family is this. When Jesus was sleeping, when he was on earth, what do you think Jesus dreamed about? I have no idea, but have interesting conversations. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.